Hi, I'm Josh. And I'm Kira, and we're living at home. home. Hi, Josh. Hi, Kira. We're here in for a special episode, I hear. Yes, so we are introducing a new episode format called In My Humble Opinion. (laughs) (laughs) In My Humble Opinion is a format where we answer questions and give advice to listeners who submit their questions to us. Wow, normally you'd have to pay for something like that. I know, I know. The value in this show has just skyrocketed. (laughs) So just a little disclaimer, we're just two people living at home. This is in our humble opinion. Emphasis on opinion. So we're just kind of, think of it as a gab session. We're just giving our take on it. But, you know, go to therapy if you can. I know it's totally a privilege not everyone can afford, but if you can, you know... If you got big problems, you deserve to have them worked out. And know what? No one else is doing anything like this in the podcast (laughs) arena. So, But we are giving very specific advice to people who are living back home. Yeah, if we were them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So should we jump into our first question slash piece of advice? I think we should get the let out. Okay. So, and also I just want to say that if you have a question or you need advice on something, you can email us at livingathomepodcast at gmail.com and then maybe we will put your question on the show. Yeah. So first we have a listener who is asking about how to deal with their own expectations that their parents will do things for them, like make dinner. Even though this person feels like, and I'm paraphrasing, they know that they're an adult and they shouldn't, maybe they shouldn't have these expectations that like, oh, mommy's going to make me dinner, but they do. So do you do you want me to start or do you have anything you want to say, start off with about that? I think you should start. Okay. So I feel like when, if you grew up in a house where your parents did a lot for you, then it, you can kind of fall into that habit when you move back home. Mm-hmm. And I think what this question comes down to is whether or not you are behaving as a a full adult member of your household. So this is like a matter of like division of labor in your house. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you are a full adult member of your household and you contribute in some way, then and maybe you're you know, in this case, this listener, like their mom is the one who cooks dinner. Maybe that is one of the things that your mom does in the house, but maybe you do other things. For example, maybe you take out the trash. You like take the recycling to the recycling center. You mow the lawn. Refinish the attic. Exactly. And maybe that's the thing your mom does. But maybe I would see it as an issue if you're not doing anything in the house and your, mo- and your mom is making you dinner and your parents are doing everything for you. I think that's when it's an issue. I don't think the exp- – and the other thing that could be a problem is if your family – if your family's expectations of you differ from your expectations of your role in the house. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, and you have to also realize that you've been gone from home for four years if, yeah, if this is a case where you've gone away, to, and I think this person did go away to college and then Yeah, when come back. you leave for college, you're, it's not like your parents are just still cooking for an extra mouth. You, the, you have to realize that you are in their thoughts, but you are not their responsibility while you're away. Mm-hmm. So it's 
kind of a little ridiculous almost to think that when you come home that they're willing to drop everything and change their schedule for someone that's been out for a while. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's ridiculous. It's you're used to it. But at the same time, their life has changed. Their life has changed just as much as yours have. Mm-hmm. It's the first time that especially if you're an only child or the the oldest child, this is the first time they've had someone leave for an extended period of time too. Mm-hmm. things change while you're gone. You're not just picking up from where you left off. Mm -hmm. Well, what I would say is, like, in terms of concrete advice, I would think about if I were this person living at home, I would think about what they are doing in the house in general. And if, if they feel like this is just one part of their mom doing, like, a lot of things for them, then maybe that's something to look at and think about how you can take more responsibility and have a conversation about what you could do in the house that would be helpful to your family. Or maybe if this is the one thing that you feel like, aside from like allowing you to live in their home, that um, your mother is doing for you, then I think, I don't think that's a big, I don't think that's a big issue. Or maybe you could say, you know, to your mom, hey, I know that you spend a lot of time cooking for me and maybe you can come up with a system where I cook a couple nights a week and we like rotate or maybe I could do the laundry or something like that so that you feel like you are not being a burden but you're being someone who's contributing to the household yeah and it's not always like equal amounts of time spent equal amounts of labor it's whatever feels equitable Mm -hmm. on both parts right yeah so I think I think the expecting expecting your mom to make you dinner unto itself is not an issue as long as you are also doing within reason what your family expects you to do. I'm not sure what our viewers' cases, but uh, parents aren't always telling you the truth when they're saying that doing things for you makes them the happiest that they can be. (laughs) But this could be, maybe this person's mother loves cooking for them. Maybe, absolutely. And then, of course, if they want to cook for you, I don't see an issue there. Right, but if you feel like, or even if you're waiting for your mom to cook dinner and then your mom's like, dude, I'm getting pizza tonight. Like, I don't have time for this. You know, like that would be that would be different. So yeah. I think I think it is like depends on what how people in your family feel good, like what how, what they like to do to show how they're caring for the household, like the collective household mm-hmm. and the family members. Yeah. Maybe if they weren't cooking for this person, they would feel almost rejected. Could be. So those are just some things. It's to think a about. very case by case scenario. And yeah. Try to uh, work out something. Maybe you don't like having them cook for you all the time. Maybe you want to contribute more. Mm-hmm. You got to just work it out. Or maybe do something that even they are impartial on, like the laundry. Yeah, that's our humble opinion. Opinion. <laughs> okay. The lawyers say we have to say opinion twice. <laughs> okay, so the next I'm going to read an email. It's not a question. It's just like a scenario. Okay. And get your take on it. Okay, so this is a quote from a listener. I feel like sometimes when I'm home, I revert back to my high school self, which is the last time I lived at home, where things that would get me angry when I was an angsty teen do again, and I'm like, hello, why is this upsetting me? I've learned to deal with this. I fall victim to this all the (laughs) time. We all do, yeah. Do you have any advice or thoughts on that? It's a really hard one to shake. Mm -hmm. Like, because you have conditioned yourself in this place almost 
to act a certain way, feel a certain way. So it's really hard to break that habituation. Mm -hmm. But the biggest thing that, I don't know, I feel like I'm still falling victim to that. I'm I'm trying to figure out a way to... uh, come up to a solution of something I'm still going through. Right. What, what What do you do? Well, I think for me, I mean, it's, I think this is so relatable. This is so understandable. If you're someone moving home after you've gone, if you've gone to college for four years and you're moving back home, because I feel like what your experiences as a teenager are so emotional and raw. And if you're back in that same setting, I think it's like so understandable that certain things that were triggering in some way or triggered a response in you in high school would have that same effect now. But I think uh, the key thing is that this person recognizes what's happening, like sees that, oh, like I'm, I've had these four years of experience where I've grown up a lot and now I'm coming back home and I feel like I have the skills to deal with it, but I'm still getting upset. So I think the first thing is that like, oh, you know that these things that upset you when you were an angsty teen are still upsetting you, but you also know that you have four more years of life experience to help you deal with those things. So I think with your like newfound emotional maturity, you can maybe, maybe something that I wouldn't have done in high school that I would do now is remove myself from a situation if I'm feeling angry. Mm -hmm. So instead of, you know, yelling at my mom i can say like i can know like oh i'm angry right now so i'm gonna go on a jog yeah like i shouldn't try to have a conversation right now Mm -hmm. so and even i think one thing is if you've gone to college and you come back and you're a little bit older you at some point you start to see your parents as people and maybe it's gone from you know you are a kid who is upset with like this figure of authority to you are upset with your you're having like it's more about your personality and your family's personality but I think you have this opportunity to maybe have more um, adult mature conversations with your family about how you're feeling but that also might not work because you know parents are people everyone's a person but you also can maybe recognize the things that you can work on and you do feel like you can have conversations about and also recognize the things that you don't think you're going to change and know that, okay, like if this argument, if this recurring argument comes up, I'm just going to say, you know what? I don't think we should have this conversation and like go for a walk, go to your room, get some space. Sometimes you got to just look in the mirror, notice that you are not the person that you were in high school. Yeah. And reflect yourself for the past four years, see what has your life given you as a tool Mm -hmm. to cope with this issue right so you can move past it or adapt yeah exactly did we answer that one i think we did i think we did i think you did (laughs) (laughs) you were a very helpful josh great (laughs) but well okay but this this maybe so this question came with like an attached question okay which is connected so so this person feels like when they revert to their high school self But the second part is their parents' expectations of them revert to when they were in high school. So this person's parents ask questions like, are you going to the gym? Are you studying enough? I guess this person's getting ready for for their education. Like, are you eating mac and cheese for breakfast again? So this is... I am right there with this person. Yes, so parents thinking that you are still a teenager. Yeah, I was working at a medical device company 
And my mom would still be asking me, are you wake? Like, do you want me to wake you up in the morning? Uh-huh. <laughs> like, or like, are you doing your laundry? Did you do what you need to do today? Yeah. And like, even when I'm at school, I, I get the question, are you studying enough? Uh-huh. <laughs> like, it's as if that question is going to be like, you know what? I wasn't. But you know what? Yes, now I am. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You saved my college career. Right. <laughs> you saved my real career. Mm-hmm. It's Ah, it's very difficult to uh, do, but you have to maybe sit down with your parent and have a talk Mm -hmm. and say, hey, I've made it this far. Yeah. I think I've got things under control. Sometimes, especially if you've been coddled, Mm -hmm. sometimes you have to be allowed to fail. Yeah. And if you do fail, then you may step in and ask me all these questions like, are, am I being responsible? Mm-hmm. But until then, if I'm making it on my own, you got to just let me do my own thing because mm-hmm. it seems to be working. Mm-hmm. If it's not working, I will seek help or you can maybe impose some of your help on me. But if it's working, don't mess with it. Yeah. Well, I would say um, the first thing is I think it's important to see that those questions are... Um, maybe how your parents feel that they show they care about you and it is them caring about you. So first to recognize like that's where it's coming from. They're not being patronizing. What? They are not being patronizing. They are, this is how they communicate. Right. And they're worried about you because you're you're in a transition place and they want to protect you. Even though like, Josh, I take your point. Absolutely. Like, you know, people really need to be allowed to fail, Mm -hmm. especially. And, you know, if you, and it's great that, if they want to be a support system for you. Absolutely. Um, but so they're showing that they care. But I think like Josh said, you know, having a conversation is really great. So when when for me, when my mom <clears throat> asked me questions like this, where it's kind of like, you know, I'm I'm an adult and I'm very good about taking care of myself. I for with my, my relationship with my mom, I could kind of like make a joke about it and just show her and show her that she really doesn't need to ask me that question and we can laugh about it. But Mm -hmm. I think sometimes it does take having a conversation and saying, well, you know, maybe when I I can see that when you ask me these questions that it is coming from you being concerned about me. But to me, it feels like you don't trust me to take care of myself. And then also emphasizing that, you know, if you need help, you will ask for help. I won't even use the word concerned. They're just caring. Yeah. If they weren't asking these things, I'd have to almost be like, do they care? Mm -hmm. But then again, there are some people that so clearly have their lives planned out and like they're getting along. But I don't know. In my case, if my parents weren't asking, it would show lack of caring Mm -hmm. almost. Yeah. I mean, I think that definitely depends on people's personalities and like how they express. Yeah. how, How people express feelings differently. But I think I think emphasizing the fact that you will ask them for help if they need it and being like, oh, I'm really appreciate you wanting to like help me in this way, but I would actually prefer if I could come to you if I need something. Yeah, we want to know that they are there if we need them, mm-hmm. aka a support system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because they have more life life experiences than we do, mm-hmm. and maybe although we don't know it, they will have the solution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you never know. It's true, but until then, yeah, 
let us fail a little bit. I think we all could do with a little bit of failure. Mm -hmm. You can always learn more from failure than succeeding. Yeah, it's true. So we have one more question. We do have one more question. That was our humble opinion on that. And this next one. Opinion. Yeah. (laughs) This next one is advice on sharing. This listener asked, advice on sharing resources. Uh, My parents and I share two cars. So I guess that's three people sharing two cars. uh, And it can be difficult. So I guess I would assume that this is two parents who are working. And maybe um, the person who's asking this question is also working. Um, I'm also in that uh, fortunate situation where I'm in a fa- I live with my two parents and the three of us share two cars, which is like super fortunate that we do have the two cars to share amongst us. Um, so Josh, you have your own car. Yes, I am even more fortunate. I would say. <laughs> um, but sharing resources in general, h- home resources. Definitely. Okay. So I'll say, I'll st- can I start with this one, the car thing? Cause that's I feel like it's a little tailored to you. Yeah, Yeah, that's where I am right now. So I, um, I'm mostly in my hometown, like work from home and work nearby my home most of the day. And I do need a car. And I would say my, so my mother has her car because she needs it pretty much all day and she uses that. And then my dad and I kind of share a car. Um, But when he's at work during the day, because he commutes by train, it's available to me. But on the weekends or... Other times, sometimes we're negotiating. And I think the main thing is being super open way in advance and very clear about when you need the car. And if it's something like you're getting to work or to school or things that you like absolutely like obligations that you where you have to be there, um, making that very clear versus if it's something like social, knowing that maybe you could have flexibility, ask someone to pick you up. But I think you just have to be really clear um well in advance and even maybe you need to like have it written down on a schedule so that people don't get mixed up and then also for me so I'm very lucky in that this it's my parents car that I use and they cover the expenses of the car so I unless I you know I defer to them like it is their car that they allow me to use but if I have to get for to get to work for example like that's you know I I need that, so I just have to be, like, very clear about when I need it, like, text it if that's what works better, like, you know, maybe remind people a couple of times, but I think it's just about, like, maybe having, like, a firm schedule so that Mm -hmm. people aren't forgetting. I think especially with the idea of sharing a car, Mm -hmm. we are now adults, Mm -hmm. and we now have the ability to work. Mm -hmm. So if you really do feel like maybe that car is too limited of a resource, maybe your parents are using it all day when you would need it, we have the ability to adjust our expectations of what a car should be. Uh (laughs) A car could be a bike. (laughs) But at the same time, yeah, that's a thing. You could find a similar resource like public transportation, mm-hmm. try to adjust how you're able to get around, or maybe you buy a... I want the viewers to know, my car is <laughs> barely a car. Yeah, jo- jo- like, you know, Josh's car is... It drives. It's It, it gets moves. me from point A to point B, yeah. and that's about it. It's not glamorous. Hey. It's beautiful. I didn't say glam... I didn't... You brought glamour into this. <laughs> 
My car is beautiful, beautiful. in its own yes. way. Yes. It's a face-only eye could look. Yeah. <laughs> it does not have air conditioning. But yes. That's or the, airbags. Or airbags. <laughs> so. Hey, if it's my time to go, it's my time to go. So, so maybe it's not my time to go. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I drive you around a lot. Yeah, maybe you could get a friend to drive you around. Maybe that's mm. the case. But that's the thing. You don't need the most expensive car. You don't need a big investment that's going to take you years to pay off. Maybe you just want to say, this is my budget. Save up like a couple thousand dollars. Just really make this your goal. Mm-hmm. Because this can make your life so much better. Instead of eating out or doing anything, make this your goal. Every week, put away some money so that you can one day afford your own transportation. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good advice. I think, but for some people, I think the reality, and maybe we can broaden this to like sharing things in the home Mm -hmm. in general with your family. I'm just, I'm yeah, I'm specifically talking about a car because Mm -hmm. it is such a special commodity yeah totally but like something else in a home that's a very much a shared resource say like maybe you don't cook with your family maybe you need to use the stove but what if you had a bunch of siblings the stove's always being used when Mm -hmm. you're needing to eat or something like that so it's got to be like schedule it so that the resource can be used at in a way that makes it so that everyone can use it not you're not going to get exactly when you want to use it like a laundry machine uh most families only have one laundry machine and one dryer (laughs) you're not gonna get a second dryer Mm -hmm. or a second laundry machine right or i can barely imagine but this is something that even at school is more of an issue Mm -hmm. i live in an apartment with four people and what's that one bathroom yeah that is such an important shared resource Mm -hmm. yeah so it's very much working at, I'd say, again, a schedule. Mm-hmm. Try to either what I do just to make sure that I don't have to worry about my roommates. I just wake up way earlier than that. Yeah. And know what? That is technically my schedule. Mm-hmm. That way I can do whatever I need to do in the mornings. And I have <laughs> oh, I have no issue getting around that. So mm-hmm. you have to work with the resource you have. But try to spread it out in a way that the resource is being used as much as possible mm-hmm. by different, I don't know, different people. Like, it's not impossible to share cars. Right. Say you say you need to get a job, but you don't have that car. Maybe you have to get a job at night when the car's available. Yeah. Or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, so, yeah, the car thing, I think using, like things like that in the home I think definitely schedule and like scheduling in advance and not springing things on people last minute sometimes you can't help it but as much as you can try to not try to be tell people things in advance and then sharing resources maybe in terms of like I don't know if you share food with your family or if you it's like I don't know paper Mm -hmm. in the printer or like ink or things like that I think something just being considerate of everyone and thinking about like if you if you use something up replace it or or put, make it known that it's used up right or put it on the list just being like considerate of things that are shared like treating things that are shared with respect and thinking about like the person who's going to try to use that next think what you have to be apathetic not apathetic empathetic empathetic <laughs> don't be apathetic <laughs> you have to be empathetic and be like if this gets used up what would I do if I were the next one mm-hmm. to use it? 
Yeah. Or for really any resource. Like, you have to understand why you can't currently use that resource or when you are using it. What are other people doing? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I mean, this one, I think sharing resources boils down to planning, empathy, and patience. And can, yeah, just absolutely. Yeah. That's our humble opinion. And if you don't want to deal with any of that, move out. It's so hard, though. It's so hard. And, uh, and we're never doing it. And that's why we are still living at home. <laughs> it's been good, guys. If you have more questions, again, you can email us at livingathomepodcast at gmail.com. Bye, everyone. Bye. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you may be listening. If you have an idea for a future episode or a question about a past one, you can email it to us at livingathomepodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram at living underscore at underscore home underscore podcast or on Facebook at living at home with Josh and Kira. Thank you for listening. Bye.